Welcome to the Subtle Cane Podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Smith, broadcasting from the Aorta of America, beautiful festival city, Oshkosh, Wisconsin, where we pump out reason and pierce through the propaganda. Here we go. And here we are. Welcome back, my friends. Six days till Christmas as of the publishing of this episode. That would be episode nine of the Subtle Cane podcast. What's the frequency, Pascal? If you're new to the podcast, welcome. I hope that you're all ready to go for the holidays and have your shopping done. Or if you are a returning listener, I wish you the same. And I thank you for your continuing support. I wanted to do something a little bit different today. Not necessarily a a holiday or a Christmas episode, but something a little less structured and a little more just personal. As I said in my last episode, we have much to grieve for, but it is not for us to despair. Now surely there are many of us that look around and see the direction we're heading. We have a little bit of apprehension. We have some unease. I know there are people, there are people that are they appear to be completely immune to the world around them and, I don't know, find, find comfort in a bubble of blissful ignorance or they just choose to not be upset by things. They're unruffled. I admire that, if it's because they choose. But I believe that even the most stalwart ostriches among us have sensed the implications of, of the changing paradigms we face. And it, it can... And I think it does. It really does grind on you. And I'll be frank with you. I've, I've struggled with some, some depression. I have my, my down days. I have some things that get to me. And I get a sense of foreboding at times. I do. And I have days that I wonder, why, why do I even bother? Why do I bother with school, with research, with, with all the in, in and out stuff of days? Sometimes I just wonder, why do I bother? You know, there's so much suffering in the world and there's and, and there's so much wrong with the world and and you can get disheartened well it's easy to ask why it, it is it's easy to ask why why if there's a a loving god would there be so much suffering and injustice in the world and even if you're not a religious person we have these thoughts we ask ourselves why why is there so much wrong in the world how can there be so much going on all the time that that feels out of our control, and why? Why is there? Why are there people starving? Why are? Why is there human trafficking? Why are children hurt? Why are children going hungry? In philosophy, this is called the problem of suffering. We all wonder about it. We do. We all wonder why. Why we wonder about meaning, about the forces of nature or divinity that conspire against us. So, what do we do with that apprehension? And how do we face a world so unforgiving without losing our minds? Remember, we have three main types of reasoning to work with, and, and we have to utilize those to, to understand the world around us. I mean, how can we know anything? I mean, in philosophy, what that is referred to as epistemology. There's, there's four main branches of philosophy. There's logic, which is also a form of math. It's, a, it's how we structure arguments. If this, then that. If this, then that. 
and it and it has to make sense. It, the equation has to be solved. Then there is the epistemology I mentioned. What we can know, cogito ergo sum, was something that Rene Descartes uh, wrote in his book Discourse on Methods. It's it's Latin for I think, therefore I am. He had gotten to the point of what is now called Cartesian skepticism, where he he started questioning how he could know anything other than the fact that he thinks, so he knows he is. There's ethics. Well, ethics is what we ought to do, or what not to do. And metaphysics, metaphysics the fourth, is the relationship between mind and matter. And you say, okay, Aaron, and? Well, philosophy isn't just about ancient Greeks and dusty books. It helps us understand the world around us for every topic. We, we can use it in every area of our life. And it, that's why I think it's so neat. And I think it's important that we, that we understand how to think, not what to think. I'll get back to that, too. Now, there are many different systems and theories, arguments and evaluations about life and the meaning. But today... Today I'm going to stray into the matter of faith. I have faith that if I move my body in a certain way, I will walk. I have faith that if I drop my pen, it will fall to the ground. And I have faith that if I microwave a frozen burrito, it will simultaneously scorch my mouth and be cold on the inside. It's a terrible, terrible riddle of life. I've spent many years looking for answers to the questions of life. I'm a curious cat, man. I've got a problem with a wandering mind and uh, not a whole lot to show for it, to be honest, uh, materially speaking, anyways. But I like the back and forth and I like hearing different opinions and outlooks. You know, I'm skeptical, yes, but I'm optimistically skeptical. I do choose to have faith that defies logic, though does not entirely discard it. I, uh, I spoke about Christian apologetics before, the giving of reasons for Christian faith. C.S. Lewis and G.K. Chesterton, they're, they're two of my favorite authors. Lewis's Mere Christianity and, and Chesterton's Orthodoxy are great books, and I would strongly suggest people reading them, even if you're not uh, necessarily uh, spiritually minded or religious minded. I, just very interesting, well-written books that... I don't know. I think I think everybody can benefit from from exposing themselves to that kind of thought process, whether or not you agree with their conclusions. And even though I find their arguments for Christianity compelling, I have to admit, as does even the Bible, that reason alone can't bring one to true faith. Faith is a choice that we make, believing in something we can't fully explain or count for. It it's it's a choice, again. We do it in our everyday lives. I mean, probably much more than we like to acknowledge. I choose to believe in things when I see the consequences of unbelief. Define gravity is a quick lesson. Touching a hot stove. But what about more nuanced areas of life? If I lie to people, I believe they will stop trusting me. If I eat proper portions of nutritious food, I believe I will stay relatively healthy. If I show my children that I love them and lead by example, 
I believe that they will learn how to interact with others. These are beliefs that I that may pan out. That that they may pan out, but may not. I could be honest and people still wouldn't trust me. I could eat right and still become quite ill and raise my children well and have them commit terrible crimes. Now, thankfully, they haven't, and they are good kids. But my beliefs in these in, in these instances, are, they're, they're more hopeful than concrete. One might say that I have faith. Now, because we are so close to Christmas, I thought, as a, a Christ follower, that it would make sense to take a break from the normal content and, and talk about that. Christmas is ostensibly about God becoming a man and being born to a virgin in order to live among us and eventually redeem us. Now that, that is a leap of faith. Talking about having a hard time proving something through rational argumentation. So why would someone as skeptical as myself and reason-driven choose to believe something so bizarre? And I say, fair question. Christianity differs from every other philosophical system or religion that I have been able to discover and assess in in one aspect. This one element, being unique, is not recognized, typically, by those who criticize Christianity. I'll elaborate on that, but I wanted to share a quote by one of the strangest and most genius minds of the late 19th and early 20th century. Quote, If you want to find the secrets of the universe, think in terms of energy, frequency, and vibration. End quote. Nikola Tesla. Why do I bring that up? Well, what is the frequency, the vibration that holds it all together? What if it was something more like a voice, speaking words? One of my favorite verses in the Bible, or a couple of verses, is, is the very beginning of the Gospel of John. It goes like this, quote, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. End quote. That's John 1, 1 through 5. I always found that to be so cryptic and mysterious, and I I just loved how, I don't know, almost Tolkien-esque it was. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And And the part was, and the part about, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. That, that just always resonated with me. I thought that was the coolest thing. And then I started reading about, I want to say his name is uh, Pascal Fries, a German scientist who, who talks about the universe being, all, the, all it is is different vibrations and every single atom vibrating at a different rate. And, and it just kind of, I had this weird epiphany about this, the word of God and how God spoke everything into, into being. And so that, that really resonated with me. I don't know if it does with you, but I thought I'd share that. But back to where I was going with this faith. 
in the in the unique aspect of Christianity that stuck out to me. If you look at Christianity as another system of rules to tell you how one ought to live or or create the most utility out of life or you you've you've missed the mark by eternity. With other systems, the laws are the systems. With Christianity, the following of the law is only the grateful response to freedom from the weight of the law. That's a a strange concept to wrap your head around. In all other systems, the laws are the systems. But with Christianity, the following of the laws, uh, it's only a grateful response to freedom from the weight of the law. It's a subtle but a, a monumental difference. And it's a stumbling stone for many. We want so badly, I, I want a, a rational explanation for everything. And we kick and fight in rebellion to, to this idea that there's nothing that we can do to make it all work, to make it all make sense, to make us good enough. There's nothing we can ever do to make everything right. There's no system that we can construct that will tame the wicked hearts of men and bring a utopia. It's not going to happen. There's no way to make utopia on earth by just making up rules for people to follow. All that is what the Solomon, the great wise man Solomon, who wrote Proverbs and Ecclesiastes said, was vanity and grasping for the wind. And all that is grasping for the wind. And then you compare that to the magnificence of a God who reconciled his own creation to himself by becoming man and suffering through the pain he allowed to exist just so that we could be free and choose, have a free will, taking on all the suffering and sin of the world in the ultimate show of leading by example. We can't understand eternity, but it is in our hearts. It was placed there, and and we can fight our knowledge of it. We can kick at the goads, as they say. Uh, The goads are are the rocks that are embedded in the ground. Have you ever tried to kick a stone that was deeply embedded in the ground? That's a goad. That's what we kick at the goads, is the saying. We can hide from the eternity in our hearts and all our systems, And we can numb ourselves through substances, through drugs and alcohol and and sex and and largesse and and material possessions. We can numb ourselves. We can bury ourselves in our work. We can understand or try to understand the natural world through science and, and just try to make sense of it all. And we can immerse ourselves in politics and and rage against the machine. And after all, I mean, we live in the natural world and we have to navigate through all the complexities of our life. And and that's true. And you know, most of the time when I'm sitting here talking to you, I'm not talking about faith. I'm talking about trying to weed through some propaganda or I'm I'm talking about current events that, that are going on or I'm talking about concepts about our life, like freedom and, and autonomy. And and I'm talking about things that are in the here and now, because we live here and now. We have to exist. We have to do it. And we have to navigate through the complexities of our life. 
but we're not only flesh. This is where faith comes in. I'm going to say a lot of things that that are faith-based, but we're not only flesh. Our lives are more than that, and we battle not against flesh and blood, but of spirits and principalities. It's a heavy thing to say, I know, but I believe there's more. I believe there's more. And I'm going to ask this question. How can we ever hope to realize the ideal world if we can't even realize our ideal self? We want want an ideal world, don't we? But how can we realize an ideal world if we can't even realize our ideal selves? I, I know it sounds like the opposite of reason. And I know that the stain of the law, the stain of of all the systems that we create, and the stain of the systems that people who claim Christianity, who claim to be Christ followers, they live in these rigid systems that they try to enforce on their lives to make them good enough, and they miss the point. It makes faith in God just seem like another broken system. And if you see Christianity as another system for what we ought to do, well, then you're right. It will never be enough. We will never measure up. And and so why not pick a system that's less grandiose? Why not pick a system that has less bizarre claims? I mean, there's many to choose from that don't require you to proclaim a God that became man and was born of a virgin lived among us, died, and then rose again to redeem us from our sin? I mean, how impractical is that? (laughs) I mean, really, surely there are less bizarre ways to formulate society, to base our lives on. Surely there's a less confounding way to go about this, right? This existence. I'm going to break it down a little more personally now. And share with you, not not so much as a host of a podcast, but, but just as a guy telling a story. And, and I hope you don't mind the interjection. I lived a, a large portion of my life in a very hopeless state. I woke up each morning wishing I hadn't, honestly. And, and I numbed myself with drugs and alcohol. And I was just incapable of having a healthy relationship with people. And, and I hurt a lot of people because of that. It got pretty bad, I'm not going to lie. I I was a mess. I woke up on an unfinished basement floor. I thought it was six in the morning, and when I looked closer at my phone, I I realized it was six at night, but three days later. And it wasn't the first time I I blacked out, but but this time I I knew something was different. I I just knew that if I didn't if I didn't do something, that I that I would be dead very soon. I knew the gig was up. You know, I I also realized that I didn't want it to be, which was kind of a strange revelation to me. I, I thought I didn't want my life anymore, but but I but when I thought about my family and what it would do to them if I was no longer here, well, something just gave way, and I did something that I hadn't done in a very long time. I prayed. It was awkward and ineloquent, but I but I just said. God, if you're up there, I give up. You know, I don't know what I'm doing, but but I know that when I do things my way, I, I mess it up. And if you're there and, and you're listening, I surrender. I give up. You know, my life is yours. Okay? And if you open a door, I'll walk through it. If you'll have me, I'll live for you instead of myself. That was it. 
that was my big conversion. There weren't any angels singing, and I still had a hangover that lasted <laughs> another three days. Um, but little by little, I walked by faith. I looked for help. When a door opened, I walked through it. Not long after that, I, I found myself on the reservation in South Dakota, helping people, <laughs> working 95 hours a week for $1,200 a month in room and board. And, and I loved it. I met the girl of my dreams, and I married her. And it hasn't been easy. All those, all those years of bad decisions, they didn't just go away. And I've had to fight for every inch I've gained. But I've never gone back to that life. And, and I have hope, hope that drives me through all kinds of adversity and, and drives me still to try and make a difference in, in what little way I can. I, I have searched the face of the earth for answers to the questions of meaning, of purpose, of evil and suffering. And I, and I can only speak for myself that once I was blind and now I can see. Where once I was broken, I'm healed. And once where I had no hope, no hope, now the hope of eternity burns in my heart. And I no longer suffer the kind of despair that I once knew. Now when I choose to do good, when I choose good, I don't do it to look good to other people. I do it as a response to the mercy I know in my heart that I, I do not deserve. And all it took all it took for me to find that peace was to surrender my battle. There is no system for taming this world. There's no set of rules that will tame the hearts of men. There will be no utopia in this life. I mean, we're going to continue to struggle and suffer and fight in, in a fallen world. But we don't need to do it alone or in vain. For all you listening, you are valued. You are loved. And you are worthy. Merry Christmas. God bless. And good night. There's no turning back once the fire's lit, let the embers glow. Startled by my lack of fear as a world I love.